flights are considered to be the fastest and one of the safest modes of transportation with the likelihood of 1 in 11 million for an accident to occur the evolution of new technologies and past experiences has significantly improved the traveling experience but that does not mean that flights don't have major accidents under their belt while some accidents such as the disappearance of malaysian flight mh370 has gained widespread media attention multiple other incidents have gone unnoticed on august 22 1979 the citizens of bogota colombia were startled when an avro hk1101 crash landed into their residential buildings concerns arose among the residents for the damages caused to their houses while the police and first responders were worried about the well-being of the passengers on board but upon inspecting the wreckage they found no survivors the passenger flight was empty as if the plane had fallen straight out of the sky have been keeping up with the podcast you may be familiar with the 2002 mid air collision between bashkirian and dhl flights if you are new here's a brief on 1st june 2002 the two flights crashed into the swiss airspace at 9:35 pm resulting in the deaths of 71 people the air traffic controller made a series of mistakes that day ultimately leading to the tragic accident due to the delayed investigations one of the victim's family members decided to take matters in his own hands and killed the air traffic controller seeking justice for his lost family the case that i have for you today is similar to the bashkirian and dhl collision both cases involve an airplane accident and the deaths that i have talked about and will be talking about are revenge driven however the method of killing in today's episode takes the cake for being the most unique one hi my name is tanvi and this week we are heading to colombia in the world of true crime i have come across some of the most bizarre methods of killing but the one that i have for you today may have caused the costliest damages in the aftermath on the morning of 22nd august 1979 a 23 year old man named armando nieto haramilio left his parents house in the marco fidel suarez neighborhood in the southeast of bogota to head to work he traveled to el dorado the city's airport and arrived there 30 minutes later at the airport Air traffic controllers were busy performing their duties to ensure that each plane arrived safely to their destination without any incident. Amid the hustle and bustle of the planes, one particular aircraft, Avro HK1101, was scheduled to depart for Medellin, another city in Colombia, later that day. 
while the controllers were performing their duties, ensuring that the runway was clear for each flight to take off, a Sunit aircraft departed its hangar and began heading towards the runway for takeoff. This caught the attention of the airport authorities working on the ground, as this flight was not scheduled to depart this early in the morning. The way the airplane behaved stood out of the ordinary. Rather than the flight taking a smooth drive towards the runway path, the airplane looked awkward, as if someone who did not know about airplanes was in charge of flying the plane. The controllers tried various methods to get in touch with the pilot, but they did not receive any response. At another section of the airport, the security guards attempted to identify the person on board the plane. The authorities alerted all the personnel in the airport about this unusual incident. Meanwhile, they contacted the fire department and requested them to deploy a truck on the runway to halt the plane's takeoff or at least to communicate with the individual inside the aircraft. Two significant issues arose with the plane prepared for takeoff. First, the pilot appeared inexperienced in managing the aircraft. Second, and more frightening, the authorities found out that out of the two engines, only one of them was in working condition. However, I could not find any information in the reports about whether the engine malfunctioned due to a human error or a mechanical failure. The controllers inside the tower hoped that the flight would not have enough fuel or would not gain enough momentum to lift off from the runway. Every single controller remained glued to their screens and windows. But all their hopes were in vain when the flight took off from the airport and headed to the northern direction of the city. Due to aircraft's low altitude, the citizens heard the deafening roar of the plane, which was not very unusual, but the loudness and the distance between them and the plane caused alarm for many. The aircraft, which initially headed north of the city, made a U-turn and started flying towards the southern region. The young pilot, Armando, scanned the areas attentively appearing to search for a specific location. He was looking for his parents' house, the same place that he had left early in the morning. Upon reaching the neighborhood, he attempted to locate the house but could not find it. Therefore, he took another U-turn and resumed his search among the rows of residential buildings. Amid his quest, the pilot overlooked one crucial factor the fuel level in the aircraft. It was already a daunting challenge for him to spot the house from such an altitude. As he circled over the neighborhood time and time again, the fuel gauge kept dropping at an alarming pace. When the plane was roughly two kilometers away from his residence in Marco Fidel Suarez, it reached an all-time low in altitude and finally, the Arvo H911 flight crashed into several residential complexes in the Santa Lucia neighborhood. The houses where the plane had crashed into shook them with a deafening explosion and filled the area with heavy smoke. The residents living there struggled to navigate to safety in the middle of the entire chaos.
Some of them managed to find their lost family members and reached safety, while others stumbled upon the accident site. When the smoke in the air cleaned up, people were shocked to see the crash site. By now, police officials and first responders had reached the scene and started working on getting people the help that they needed. The plane had broken into half, with its nose crashing directly in the buildings. Till now, the police weren't able to find a single body in the wreckage. If they were worried about multiple casualties, then they had nothing to fear. The entire site was full of airplane parts, but when they searched the cockpit, they found the body of Armando, suggesting his involvement in the accident. Two residents lost their lives in the accident. A 17-year-old student named Oscar Armando Romero Acosta was taking an early shower to reach his class at the Electronic Institute of Languages, but died when the plane impacted his house. Another victim named Irene Morath de Avelia, aged 65, opened the door of her house to check the rumbling outside. But the moment the airplane hit the house, the force of the wind threw her to the other side of the house, knocking her and killing her almost immediately. More than 14 family members were affected by the accident. Along with deaths of three people and multiple family members injured, the building suffered extensive damage, with power lines disconnected, tiles and walls shattered, and ceilings caved in. The police had their hands full with the investigation and had numerous questions regarding the accident. They were trying to understand the purpose of having a single pilot for such a huge plane, as well as to learn more about the pilot. Armando Nieto Jaramillo was born on 9th May 1957 in Colombia. Unfortunately, there is no information available regarding his early life, childhood, family, or whether he had any siblings. As an adult, he enlisted in the Colombian Air Force, although it was unclear whether he had any specific motivation to become a pilot or join the Air Force. During the police investigation into the plane crash, it became evident that Armando had had major anger management issues, which dated back to his childhood. Even during his time in the Air Force school, he would engage in heated arguments with his colleagues, demonstrating his volatile temperament. His mood swings and behavior continued to be problematic in his professional life and were disrupting those around him. It did not take long for the Colombian Air Force to take action and demote Armando to a lowly position as a mechanic in the government-owned airline Senate. Despite receiving warnings and being demoted, his behavior did not change, and he continued to engage in arguments with his colleagues. During his last altercation, he shouted at them, saying, quote, You think you are a god just because you drive one of these huge hulks? But I am also capable of doing it. Unquote. This was the last straw as the management of the company decided to lay him off from his role in January 1979. Armando became financially dependent on his parents for the first time in two years. And just seven months later, he hijacked a plane 
and crashed it in the middle of the city. Police investigators believed that Armando's motive was revenge for losing his job and resulting mental and emotional stress he had experienced while working for Zenith. It is unknown who initiated the arguments with Armando, but according to his former colleagues, he had a reputation for explosive anger that made it difficult to communicate with him. Others, however, thought that he was just an ordinary person with no behavioral issues. But the police soon found out that Armando wanted to crash the flight right in his parents' house with the sinister thought of ending their lives. He even warned the control tower about the .38 caliber revolver he was carrying and asked them to back off, assuring them that he was a member of the airline service. While he was studying to be a part of the Air Force, the head of civil aeronautical operations, Major Julio Otalora, told El Espectador, a national newspaper in Colombia, that Armando suffered subsequent personality changes and would fail to comply with any instructions until his dismissal in 1979. He mentioned seeing a revolver with him. But rather than raising any kind of concerns, he decided to turn his head and not give another thought to it. He even commented on the accident Armando caused, stating that the act was more about boosting his ego and show everyone that he was also capable of flying an airplane. On the day of the accident, Armando was not affiliated with either Sanit or the Colombian Air Force. However, his prior employment with Sanit allowed him to exploit a loophole in their security system and gain access to their hangar without raising any alarms. During his time working for Sanit, he would enter the cockpits and would stand near the pilots, noticing the movement of their hands and the chronology of the instruments that they would use. With all this knowledge, he decided to take the flight out of hangar on the morning of 22nd August, 1979. By now, the police and media formulated several theories to decipher the cause of the accident. All the stories and witness reports stated that Armando's main motive was to kill his parents. But it was rumored that Armando's main objective was not to kill his parents, but to kill his in-laws in their house. Ultimately, in an affidavit submitted by his parents, it clarified that at the time of his death, he was not married to anyone, debunking this entire theory. Just three months before the fatal crash in Bogota, the same flight had suffered another horrific accident in May 1979. In mid-flight, the emergency hatch of the plane unexpectedly opened, resulting in a passenger being thrown out of the plane due to the pressure difference and force, ultimately leading to his death. I somehow feel that the plane was anyways going to crash if one of its engines was not in a working condition. In a strange and a macabre way, that flight, the flight going to Medellin City in Colombia, might have suffered a deadlier accident if it was full of passengers. So rather than 70 or 80 people's death at the hands of the airplane, they only had to face death of three people, out of which 
one was responsible for the entire accident. Olivia Pulijo, one of the residents of the area, had suffered great damage to her house. Along with her husband, they submitted a court to Sandeep for the damages received to their property for the amount of $500,000. In the end, Sunit only paid $120,000 and overall paid damage of $82 million inclusive of everything. It has been over 40 years since the accident took place and now for the most part people have forgotten about it. The event lives on through the cracks in the houses it destroyed, old newspaper articles and depictions in TV shows and movies. The tragic events that occurred on 22nd August 1979 continue to puzzle and intrigue people to this day. While some theories and speculations have emerged, the exact motives behind Armando's actions remain a mystery. The aftermath of the crash left a lasting impact on the families of the victims and the city of Bogota. Even as time passes, no one will ever know the sinister reason behind the motive of killing his parents. The story of the empty airplane crash and the disturbing intentions behind it will always be remembered by the people of the country. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Shades of Macabre. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review wherever you are listening. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our podcast to be notified of our latest episode and be the first to hear about the new cases. You can find the images related to the cases covered in the podcast in the episode description. And for more information or if you'd like to suggest a new case head over to our instagram and twitter as shades of macab shades of macab will be back next week till then take care and be safe